Welcome to Into the Fire. I'm Rob Reed, President of Bison Fire Protection. And I believe that together we can make the world a safer place. So every week we're going into the fire to pull out life lessons learned by frontline professionals and apply them to fire protection, business, and most importantly, everyday life. This week we're going to talk about adapting to change. I had a great chat with a good friend of mine, Josh Roulette, who came in from Sandy Bay First Nations. He's the fire chief out there and did a excellent job of coming into the city, spending some time with us and sharing some stories about his career and firefighting in Sandy Bay. So today I want to talk to you about change. One of the things I've really always hated about change are the people that say we've always done it that way. Now I'm going to tell you that companies are always changing. They're always growing. They're always adapting. So to say that really is kind of disheartening. I want people to think about change because these days one of the buzzwords out there and it's not a buzzword it's a reality is innovation what is innovation really it's just change it's continuing improvement on what you're doing all the time there's a couple different types of change that go on out there and i'm going to talk about forced change as an example forced change are things like Changes in the government. When we've had an election here in the province a a few years ago now, and we went from one type of government to another, I had the opportunity to talk to two different construction companies that we work with. First one was very comfortable with the way they had always been doing things. They were used to the way the business was flowing and had a lot of success with it. The second one said, you know what? We see the winds of change are coming. This new government's going to be doing things very differently. And how are we going to deal with that? And they went from doing a lot of government type of business to looking to a lot of private enterprise type of business. A year into it, I talked to both of them again. The first company said, you know what? We're struggling a little bit more now because those government contracts aren't out there. You know, the the new government's come in and said, we're going to cut down on spending. We're not going to waste a a lot of money on that. We really got to get a handle on where we're going. So it's, you know, we're struggling with that. I talked to the second company. We had coffee one morning and and talking to my buddy over there. And he says, you know what? Government changed. We didn't even feel a blip. Everything just went on as it always does. But that's forced change. There's other types of forced change when you think about things like employees leaving your company. That forces a change. You have to deal with it. Are you bringing in another person? Do you have all the information? Is it an opportunity to maybe grow and get another person that's maybe even more qualified than the the previous person? Or an opportunity to change your culture because the person leaving wasn't exactly what you wanted anyway? Other examples of forced change are when your suppliers change a product. They're always doing RD. They're always changing things. So you don't have that opportunity to tell them what what they're supplying to you. They send you what they have. If you don't like it, tough. Sell it. Find a way to move it. Or stop selling it altogether. And what will that do to your customer base? So these are kind of things that are forced changes. Now, you want to talk about created change. Those are things we have control of when we're looking at, as I said earlier, continuous improvement. We have a process that's in play. It's working along, but it's not working really well. CI, we always think about that continuous improvement. 
How does that work? Well, we take a flow chart, start running through it. How much time does it take to do each task? Why is it taking so long? Maybe if we move it this way or try that, it'll improve, it'll flow faster. Now, I'm going to give you an example where over the years we've done what we call a tech report. It tells us what the technicians are doing every month. As the company's growing, that report's become more and more cumbersome to tell us their monthly stats and their numbers. It got to the point where it was taking our IT guy close to two hours to pull that report. We looked at it and went, that's nuts. That needs to change. Uh, what are we going to do? So he went off with a couple other people. They did a bunch of moving around, a few tweaks here and there, came back and said, we've got this new tech report for you. What do you think of this? We looked at it and said, well, it gives us everything we want. And he says, well, look at this. Click to a different page. Showed us more tweaks and more information we didn't have before. Showed us another page. Showed us even more improvement. We're all going, wow, this is fantastic. We can't believe all this extra information. How long is it taking you to get it to us? He says, 15 minutes. So it took, went from a two-hour report that gave us only one line of information to a 15-minute report that gave us four fantastic lines of info that allowed him to get back to doing other things and gave so much more to our management team so they could continue working and doing what they need to do. A simple little CI, a change to the company that we created. Now you think about created change. It allows you to control what you're doing. It allows you to put things in the sandbox and try it so that you can see if it's going to crash, so you can see if it's going to work. It gives you an opportunity to bring the team in, get their impressions. We've talked in the past in different episodes about the collective intelligence, and when we use that collective intelligence, how that moves everyone forward. So again, when we start using the, the group, we have the opportunity to create the creativity, the encouragement that comes with that and all the good things that come from having the team working together because you were intentional in your change. Now the very important thing that I've looked at and and really been focusing on in the last little while is the emotional EQ and that's where I'm reading books and and doing you know, different podcasts and things and you hear me talking about this in other shows here that uh, all the reading and, and information time I spend with that but um, you know, whether you're talking about Lencioni and his humble, hungry, smart, you know, and the, the smart part isn't about the IQ. Smart part is about EQ, the emotional EQ, your emotional intel intelligence. And listening to a pod the other day from uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, and he was talking about where we are going today is all about emotional intelligence how we are dealing with our people the time we're spending with them the fact that we are talking to them how are they talking to each other do we have people that are emotionally intelligent and read people well and apply it well i've had the opportunity two years ago to talk to lou bayer here in winnipeg and some of the eq and how important that is to business and what she brought to that another good friend of mine jessica larusso got into the whole emotional EQ thing where she wrote a book called Be Believable. And the entire point of that is being honest with people, how you work with them, how you support them, listening to them. And you've heard me say this in other shows as well. Listen to your people. I did a Disrupt HR presentation a year or so ago. And one of the most important things we talked about was your people, your process, and your tools. 
your people being the most important part. That's who we're talking to first. And if you are believable, if you are using a high level of emotional EQ or emotional intelligence with your people and supporting them well, they will walk through the fire with you. So I want to touch on a last couple of points before I wrap up here today. A couple of the things I've already touched on today are think creatively and allowing your team to do that because when they're allowed to expand their thoughts and share them, you've got a team that's working together and pulling together. I've talked about emotional EQ and how important that is to your team. But a couple other things are things like embracing ambiguity. Understand that when you start a process, you're not going to know the end of it. It's going to change as you go. You have to understand that as we get started in this and as we're going down the path, it's going to change. We're going to have to turn to the right. We're going to have to turn to the left. Someone's going to come in with a different idea and it's going to be a good one. Someone's going to come up with a half of an idea and that's going to turn somebody else in on with a great idea as well. So embrace the ambiguity. Don't think that you have to have it nailed on the first pass. You never do. Rely on your team to carry you through. Last piece is be available to shift your focus. What that means is don't get yourself set in your ways. If things are changing, and again we talked about whether it's outside of your control or whether it's inside of your control, you have to be able to shift your focus and shift your thinking, sometimes on a dime. But to have yourself locked in stone and do it the way we always did isn't always a very good way of doing things because, let's face it, I can't find the buggy whip factory anywhere here in town, so change needs to happen. It's going to happen whether you want it or not. Make sure that as you're going through your processes, as you're going through business, and as you're working with people, that you are able to be flexible enough to change. So let's get into the fire with Josh Roulette. He's the fire chief from Sandy Bay First Nations. He has a great story to share with us about change. Let's hear what Josh has to say. Hi, I'm Josh Roulette, uh, Sandy Bay Fire Chief. And I'm here today to talk about uh, the grass fires in our community, our grass fire situation, our grass fire problems. Uh, well, actually, one thing I've noticed with our grass fires is um, they've definitely changed in the last eight, nine years. When I first started, they seemed somewhat normal. Like in the spring, we had a grass fire season in the spring. We had a grass fire in, in the fall. And they were pretty much normal grass fire seasons along, across Canada, pretty much like everywhere else. But one thing I noticed in the last, especially the last couple of years, um, our grass fire seasons have gotten longer. They've really intensified. And in such a dry conditions, even the, the green grass burns now. So now even with the green grass burning now, it seems like even that's a little bit different now from fighting normal grass fires. And being on the front lines, doing all that work the last almost 10 years now, fighting these fires, pretty much every fall, every spring. I'm just hoping it's a cycle, and, but from what I see and the evidence I see, I think it's global warming. I think it's climate change. You know, it's all over the news, it's being posted all over the place, and being a, being a frontline worker, actually being out there during those seasons, fighting fires, you know, experiencing the, the change in the fire seasons, the length, and, you know, just watching the environment change from season to season, watching the, basically watching everything dry up. 
Well, I am starting to put a program together in our community. I've compiled most of the pictures that I've been needing, like on the grass fire that we're, we do attend in the last couple of years. Basically, I'm getting together like a program that do's and don'ts, like to basically to save your house from the grass fire. Um, just from like the housing situations in our community and everything like that, it's like it's pretty sporadic, so it's very hard. You don't know where the fire is going to go, which direction it's going to go, which house is going to be next, because it's not like city blocks or anything like that. So, so I'm working on a program there to try and educate some of the homeowners that have a hard time struggling, like, like just to keep stuff away from the house and stuff like that, yard maintenance and uh, keeping their grass cut and Sometimes people will tend to set up against the house outside, like maybe like patio, furniture, and, and stuff like that. And just to keep their, keep the area close to the house, you know, clear. And some people just don't, you know, they, just, from the, just from the way they are, I guess, they just don't. They just, they just like keeping their stuff, I guess. Thank you, Josh, for that great story. So let's think about what we learned today. The opportunity here is to embrace change or embrace innovation. Call it what you will. There's always going to be different names and different ways of addressing change in our worlds. So as we think about what that's going to be, think about forced change and how you're going to deal with it. Can you see it coming and how do you deal with it? Or created change. And that's the stuff that you can work on yourself and that you have control of. And it can be a ton of fun. You can have a lot of high fives in the office and create some pretty incredible things. Now, I know you learned something from today's episode of Into the Fire. Do your friends and family a favor by sharing the episode with them. You can make your world a safer place. I'm Rob Reed. We'll see you next week on Into the Fire. Into the fire.